feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Interesting day. As many of you know, we did an exclusive one-hour interview with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, and it was live. Uh, we took no commercial breaks and aired it on WABC Radio and talked about a variety of topics. Uh, full-scale talked about the nursing home, talking about the female accusers, Against him, we also talked about bail reform. We talked about immigration. We got to a lot of issues. And it was certainly a fascinating dialogue. And I want to hear your thoughts about the conversation. If you had a chance to listen to it, we're going to play some of the highlights tonight. And I also want to get your take on what you thought of his answers and his different opinions on a variety of topics. We hadn't really heard him at all talk at length about a number of these different issues. And as many of you who tuned in, uh, I kept going back at him on different questions that I felt he needed to explain further. I also felt that it was important to hear from him. Uh, we got a lot of comments from people who said, don't even give him airtime. And we firmly believe in putting everybody on and hearing everybody's opinion. So I wanted to be clear with him, but we also wanted to be fair to give him a chance to speak his mind and to explain a lot of the opinions and a lot of the points that, quite frankly, uh, were very, very much focused on issues that concern so much of us. I mean, you think about what happened at the nursing homes and so many of the cases, and we never really heard his description of a lot of these things. What did you make of his description? And what did you make of the fact there were a number of times that, as many of you know, um, I had to steer him back in and say to him, well, wait a minute, we didn't get a clear answer on this. What did you think? Um, and there were many thoughts uh, that I had as I was going through the interview hearing him. Uh, I didn't hear any regrets Whatsoever, There was one moment where he said, yeah, he was the guy leading the war and the buck stops with him. Uh, but then I didn't hear any sense of denial. Uh, I mean, remorse. I heard just a slew of, um, you know, talking about other people's responsibilities versus his. So I want to hear your thoughts on many account. Uh, it was certainly an interesting discussion. And I thought we also allowed him to present his opinions, too, on all of these different topics, which all of that is important. And all of it is certainly fair game. And I was glad to be able to have the opportunity to talk to him. Nothing was off limits. Uh, as you heard, we even went a little bit beyond an hour. And we were live uh, with no commercial breaks. And we certainly gave him a chance to speak his mind and present his view. Um, however, on many occasions where he said something and I had something else, uh, to back it up, I was not uh, shy as hell, you have said, <laughs> to bring it up uh, because there was many a time where he talked about, you know, repeat offenders. And I brought up, well, you were part of bail reform, talked about the migrant crisis. Uh, obviously, he was a supporter of sanctuary cities, sanctuary state. I mean, there are many, many issues 
uh, there to discuss. And we also talked about the 11 women. We also talked, of course, about the nursing homes. Um, an hour went by very fast. I could have talked to him for three hours. I had so many questions and he still had a lot of them left unanswered. But you could tell I asked many of them over and over again until I felt that I was getting at least somewhere in his answers. Um, but he uh, was dancing on some of the answers. That's for sure. It was somewhere between a ballroom and a tango dance. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. First off, here's just a little bit, guys. This is him. When I brought up the point, he brought up the fact about Joe Percoco. Now, this is a longtime friend, somebody who was an aide, very, very close, of course, to Andrew Cuomo, a well-known guy, especially uh, to New Yorkers. And the U.S. Supreme Court threw out the fraud conviction of Joseph Percoco. Uh, there is no doubt that it looks like there was some overreach by prosecutors there, not just with him, but with others tied to that case. And Andrew Cuomo feels that his case, everything that happened to him, was political persecution as well. Um, that is the point that he made with me. And he said, you know, even all the 11 women, that that was basically a setup, that it wasn't, you know, sexual harassment, it wasn't these other things, um, and that none of them were actually really correct uh, with what they were saying. So take a listen. Here is when I went back at him on what was a stunning number, 11 women. Take a listen. There were, again, 11 women. So so people are going, okay, well, maybe one person is making it up or two. When you have 11 women, you want us to believe that all 11 women were making it up. And the trooper said it was much more than a pat on the back. She was saying you tried to kiss her. You steered conversations towards sex. You touched her again between her breast and her private part. To me, that's that's much more than just a pat. Well, let's do one at a time. Again, yes. They they had 11 women, so it sounded big, just for the point that you're making, 11 women. Uh, of those 11, several of the 11 women said, I don't think it's sexual harassment. Uh, the trooper, yes, she says she believes it was sexual harassment. You use the word breast. Uh, she says, as I was walking past her, I touched her on her side as she was holding a door open, uh, her side, uh, and patted her on the back. Uh, And when I saw her, I greeted her with a kiss on the cheek, which I customarily do kiss people on the cheek. Uh, And by the way, many people uh, customarily kiss people on the cheek. But uh, I believe the uh, district attorneys, actually are the only objective ones here, right? Right, but but, but one of them, but Elise Suarez said that they found this woman credible and cooperative. He just didn't say, because a lot of times it's a he said, she said, even if the woman is correct or or if the guy is correct, you know, but but in this particular case, he wasn't questioning her credibility. He just felt it was not enough. And she said you put your hand under her under her shirt. So that's a lot more than just a pat on the back. You understand the yes. difference. You know, no, anyone can make an allegation, Rita. And then we go to a district attorney and they make a determination. Uh, if it was, uh, if there was a credible case, 
a district attorney would bring it. You know the environment that we're in. You know how that district attorney happened to be a Democrat. So you believe so you course. believe it was all made up. I mean, you believe all 11 women were making it up. No, no. I believe there were women who believed uh, certain of my behavior was inappropriate. I believe what really happened here was what the Supreme Court said happened and what the five district attorneys said happened and what the circumstances show happened. Uh, the Attorney General Tish James wanted to run for governor. Therefore, she needed me out of the way. She brought in June Kim, who she knew had uh, was a personal longtime adversary of mine who had done the convictions of people in my administration. Those are the convictions that the Supreme Court of the United States unanimously threw out. He comes up with a report, hodgepodge of 11 women. That goes to five DAs, and there are no cases. Well, you could tell I was ready to interrupt on that one, too. It it was an interesting exchange. Your thoughts, everybody, on that? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike, line five. Uh, Mike, what did you think of the interview? Hey, Rita. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I liken it to uh, baseball, play some college baseball, whatever. You kept him off balance. It's like he was standing at home plate waiting for a curveball, and you kept throwing verbal fastballs right at him. You know, and, and you're not shy with words. And, you know, I can listen to you for hours. And, you know, uh, he has to understand, I'll never forget reading the one New York State trooper was, you know, giving eyes to one of his three daughters, and he was shipped out to, to uh, you know, uh, just south of the Canadian border. There were 11 women and, you know, sexual harassment and this and that. I'm Italian. My kids are half Italian. There was always, you know, you kiss somebody on the cheek and this and that. That's, that, that's wonderful. But, hey, you know, you kept them off balance. And I like the analogy you made, you know, uh, with the tango dance. Yeah, well, he was standing at home plate, and he was expecting an off-speed pitch or a curveball. But you kept throwing verbal fastballs. I was laughing my butt off. And, well, you know. Thank you. Yeah. By the way, Mike, my, most importantly for me, I felt I felt I was fair. The questions were fair. Um, I will always be respectful to somebody, especially, you know, someone who's a former governor. But I felt they were appropriate questions that just needed to be asked. Uh, they're common sense questions. And I felt there was important for all New Yorkers to finally hear some answers from him on a variety of topics. Um, everybody, you know, everybody deserves to hear the answers because we never really heard a lot of the answers. And I think he's still sorting through some of the answers, too, Mike, don't you? Oh, definitely. And, um, you know, it was there wasn't I listened to every minute uh, of the interview. And at the end, he even said, well, you know, he's going to look forward to speaking with you again. And that gives you credence. I mean, with your resume, I didn't know it till I listened to your show months ago. You know, Emmy Award winning a journalist and, and White House correspondence, uh, a correspondent. And, you know, uh, you asked all the right questions to Cuomo. And, uh, hey, you know, that that means a lot to New Yorkers, 11 women. And I like when you ask them, you mean all 11 women were, were not being truthful and nursing homes. So you, you, you touch you touched all the bases and you hit all the right notes. Rita. Oh, thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. I wanted to do justice for New York. And I also wanted to give him a chance to explain, too, because I think it's important. That's 
you know, I'm a big believer in letting everybody speak. And, and that to me is what it's all about. Mike, thank you very much. Let's go to Steve, line seven. Steve, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. I'm a, I'm a first time caller and a long time fan of many years of your journalism. You're, you're tough and you are fair. I, I, I heard, uh, the interview with, uh, Andrew Cuomo today. I will give you an A. You asked a lot of great, tough questions. And uh, you were fair, but you were tough. And you asked, you made the late uh, Tim Russert proud with uh, asking all the, the good questions. People want to hear almost all of them. The, the, my only respectable critique is that there was an elephant in the room question. Where does Andrew Cuomo stand about non-citizen voting that the New York City Council tried to ram down the voters' throat? It only got stopped by a New York State Supreme Court, but rest assured, they're going to try again someday. If you know, that's a huge issue. Where yes, he it stands. is. Now, yep. now, 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 Rita Cuomo said he because New York State is a sanctuary state that they should be farmed out across the state. So that would mean now the New York City Council bill that they passed again. They never took public input except for lobbying groups from uh, from certain uh, radical organizations. But under that bill. People would have the right to vote in municipal election after just being here 30 days. So where does Andrew Cuomo stand on that? Where do the other uh, people stand? And I would argue, Rita, that is the one issue which will hamstring Eric Adams should he ever want to run for 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue because they will bring that up as they should. This guy would give foreign citizens the right to cancel out votes. We've seen how close elections could be all over this country razor thin tight imagine losing an election any election because of uh uh, someone who's not even a citizen and one more point rita and i really appreciate it this is important they're saying that over four billion dollars will be spent for these migrants uh these illegal migrants how much do people think new york city not the department of veterans affairs the new york city has a veterans department you could Google it online. In 2022, only 6.2 million was spent by New York City Council for veterans. That's 6.2 million wow. over what they want to spend over four billion for these migrants. That speaks volumes. And the politicians—it's disgusting. And there's so many priorities that need to go. They're wonderful. Legal immigrants that come to this country, I am pro-legal immigrant, but I'll tell you, the legal immigrants, they feel they played by the rules and got their green cards and worked to get their citizenship, and they're the ones, many of them, are resentful at the highest of being skipped by people who just got here. Absolutely. By the way, Steve, 1,000%. And and also, you're talking about that that bill that was something spirited by, like, Jamani Williams and a lot of people, and you're right, the whole voting thing, and many people also say all you have to do is you bring in some migrants, say, okay, well, you can vote. And just like you said, they can have a tremendous impact on local elections. And that, I agree with you, is a huge issue. The other thing, too, that Jumani Williams was pitching is also they can file a complaint against citizens. So it gives them all these different series of rights, um, and that is a big, big one. Well, if I get a chance uh, to interview him again, I will ask him. Uh, and that's a great, great question. Steve, I'm so glad you're tuning in. Everybody, we'll continue your calls. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
And we are talking more about the interview that I did live on WABC Radio today. Uh, first sort of wide-ranging interview with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo since he resigned. And I asked him, why did he resign if indeed, as he claims, he did not harass any women? He says all the 11 women basically made it all up or that it didn't really constitute sexual harassment, a variety of reasons. But listen to what he had to say when I said, why did you then resign if you didn't do anything wrong? But I'm asking you, uh, Governor, because it's important that everybody hears what you are you telling me today that you never were inappropriate with any of those 11 women. I there are women who will say in their opinion, it was inappropriate for me to put my arm around them when I took a picture. Uh, that's their opinion. I understand that. And I said to anyone who felt I acted inappropriately, uh, I apologize. Uh, but sexual harassment, which is now a legal situation, no, there was no sexual harassment. Uh, and yes, I have no doubt that there are some women who said they thought it was inappropriate. And again, of those 11, they did not say, all of them, that it was sexual harassment. They said it was inappropriate. But Rita, here's the point. How does June Kim bring, uh, convict four people? They go to prison, you ruin their lives, and then the Supreme Court comes back and says unanimously it was judicial overreach. I resign. Five district attorneys say there were no cases because politics influences our justice system. That's what the American people said about Alvin Bragg and Donald Trump. And it's not even about Alvin Bragg because they don't know Alvin Bragg. So why did you resign, Governor Cuomo, if you didn't do anything wrong? Because I did not want to deal with the toxic political environment and the negative press and have my family go through it. But you're a fighter. You're a fighter. You're someone who always fights. And and everyone said, well, I am a I'm a fighter for the people of the state of New York. Uh, and I'm proud of that. Because politics can be a mean, uh, difficult business. And if you don't fight for the people, you're not going to get anything done. So what did you make of that? Why did you leave? And he says, yes, he's a fighter. And he left because he has three daughters and he didn't want to drag them and the state through it. Your thoughts about all this, guys. Let's go to Alice, line five in Ohio. Alice, your thoughts. Hi, you were great. You didn't give him an inch. He's he's a bully. He was evasive. He sounded like a politician through the whole thing. And this guy wouldn't. I, I was going to bring up uh, the fighter uh, part of the interview. This guy won't fight for anything unless it's going to make him look good. And I think he he sounded like he was sweating bullets. You, you thought really so? Had him on. Oh yes, he sounded nervous. He sounded he 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 sounded like. Uh, like he was walking through fire, and he was. I, I bet he that was the longest hour he he spent in a long time. He, yeah. there, he's not a he's not a fighter. He's a bully. He's a bully. Well, and, and well, and listen. And by off. the way, Alice, I will give him credit. At least he answered the questions. Um, I didn't know if at some point uh, he was going to terminate the interview live, but uh, but I was glad at least he stayed. And I also think it's important that he answers the questions. I mean, he was the governor at the time. 
Um, and we'll see also what's in his future, too. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. Alice, thank you. I felt it was important that we get a fair and an honest answer. Uh, the New Yorkers deserve it. America deserves it. Everybody deserves it. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, where we honor our law enforcement and their families, a powerful story coming from Blue Ash, Ohio, where police officers rescued a girl with autism from a pond this past week. Chief Scott Noel of the Blue Ash Police Department said they received a call around 4 o'clock last Sunday reporting that a six-year-old girl who was on the spectrum had gone missing. Her family had been searching for her for around an hour before contacting police. And when officers responded, they said the family told them that she frequented the park and railroad tracks near her home. While searching for her, a deputy saw a girl waist deep in a pond near the railroad tracks. Officers called for her to come out, but she didn't respond and to continue to walk deeper and deeper out into the water. So the officers received extensive training dealing with autistic children. And the one thing they gravitate to is water, they said. So that was a focus of ours as soon as we got there. Well, body cam footage of the officers captured them calling out for the girl who did not respond, whereupon another officer jumped into the water, made his way over to her and successfully got her out. She was blowing bubbles. So the water was coming up close to her mouth. Thankfully, she was found and is said to be doing okay. And what a powerful, powerful story to hear. And of course, the great work of our law enforcement officials. Well, we are talking about the big exclusive interview we did with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Um, did you hear it? What did you think? What were your thoughts? Uh, what did you think was the most interesting, revealing, surprising, uh, or not surprising coming from him? And what did you think of his answers to overall everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Here is a little bit when I was talking with him about nursing homes. Of course, that is a huge issue. As we know, more than 15,000 people died in nursing homes. And what a tragic, tragic situation during the pandemic. And so many families who lost loved ones have many questions for Governor Cuomo. Um, by the way, uh, Janice Dean, um, who has been very, very vocal and also lost two of her in-laws, um, it's just absolutely tragic. Um, we've invited her on the show. We hope that she will come on at some point soon. We would love to hear her thoughts about the interview as well. And here is first off uh, me talking with Governor Cuomo. And here's me saying it doesn't make any sense to put elderly with COVID positive into nursing homes. How does that make any sense? Um, I'm not a doctor, I said to him, but it doesn't make sense to put elderly people who are obviously, you know, have a very low immune system, obviously very fragile to begin with. And then you throw in somebody who has coronavirus. Uh, that's a problem. Uh, it just defies logic why anybody would put them in there and listen to what he had to say. Take a listen to this exchange. Doesn't it make common sense not to put them there? 
or even immediately pull them out and realize? I know you're saying you're putting it on the state, you're putting it on the health department, but you are the governor. Wasn't there a moment where you said, this is not a smart decision, this is the worst place to put them in? And do you understand why families are so angry at you? It was the place of last resort. And it was a nursing home that said, yes, we can take this person and care for them and protect everyone else, which, by the way, Rita, is the exact same, same situation as a hospital. What, what, what do you think is so different than a hospital between a nursing home? The hospital also had to quarantine COVID people. But you didn't have all these elderly all together. That's what made it so dangerous. As you can understand, that elderly are so uh, frail. They're so, uh, you know, uh, where they could get disease and die quicker. And it happened. And you know that. It doesn't seem like you're accepting any responsibility, Governor. Well, well, let's, let's take a step back. The hospitals were also filled with elderly people, right? But not not in rows upon rows, which is what it is in a nursing home. A nursing home is only mostly elderly people. You know that. uh, Yes. But all we had in the hospitals at that point were elderly people because we had stopped all electoral surgeries. We weren't doing anything other than treating COVID people. The whole health system had turned into a COVID system. Uh, and uh, as soon as we realized we did have any flexibility in the system, uh, then, yes, we said uh, hospitals first. If you when they now have gone back and done the research as to what actually happened, rather than speculating, the infection in the nursing homes did not come in from a person from a hospital or an elderly person. It came in with the staff. Because they were able to go in and out when families weren't even able to go in and out and see their loved Uh, ones. Rita, Rita, so what's your point now? We shouldn't have had staff in the nursing homes? No, my point is that it's a cauldron for infection. If you have an elderly person and you have people going in and out, um, who are not as trained as, per se, a hospital. Um, I mean, there are so many issues here. It seems, Governor, that you keep wanting to blame the health department, and do you, you don't feel like, in hindsight, that there's something you would have done differently? Rita, nursing homes needed staff, and the staff has to come in every day because they feed people, they provide medical attention, they change the sheets, et cetera. The staff brought in COVID, unknowing, unknowing. You remember you could have COVID and not know that you had COVID. You could have COVID and the test didn't show that you had COVID. And they unknowingly brought COVID in to the nursing homes. It tracks with those neighborhoods and areas of high COVID in the general population it tracks with the nursing home that had high COVID. Uh, that, that is what has happened, and all the research shows that. What did you make of that, guys? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Arlene, uh, line six. Arlene, your thoughts about this? 
Hi, Rita. Thank you so much for taking my call. It was so hard to listen to that. It makes my stomach turn, to be honest with you. I thought it was, of course, I listened to his whole interview. I thought it was important for you to hear from someone who lost a parent while while she was getting short-term rehab in a New York nursing home. I'm glad. And And by the way, obviously, did you you lose your mother or father or who did you lose? I I lost my mother, who was oh. there for short for short term. But oh. I have to tell you some. I just have to give you a little background on this. Absolutely. But in first, April I want to say I'm glad you're yes. calling in. I thought about uh, you and all the family members when I was talking with him today, um, and and my thoughts and prayers are with all of you. Well, I can only speak for myself, but I really appreciate that because it is important um, that people have a forum, you know, to to hear the other side because it was very hard to listen. And I'm going to give you some specifics. It was very hard to listen. But I want to tell you one thing that I'm grateful for, and I'm sure other other uh, family members are as well. In April 2020, shortly thereafter, my mother died. I couldn't believe that I didn't hear a lot about the outrage of of Governor Cuomo's March 25th infamous mandate, and I contacted Michael Goodwin of the New York Post, who researched it. He was the first one to highlight that mandate, and I am ever so grateful that he shed light on this situation. So let me just, that, which brings me to my point. You asked him today if he took responsibility or would he have any regrets and so on and so forth. And it was really interesting that what he said, he brought up the Trump administration was blaming the Democratic governors. Here's, the, here's what family members are upset about because this is what he purposely leaves out. And I have them in front of me. So just indulge me for a moment. On March 13th, a memo from the CDC, they put out that nursing homes can accept a resident diagnosed with COVID if they could care for them, if they had the proper infectious control situations set up isolation. Okay, when you lie that right next to his March 25th order, this is what it says. And I'm reading right off of it. You can be sure that I have everything. No resident shall be denied admission to the nursing home solely based on a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID. That meant that they had to take them. So he con- and that order was left in place for 65 days. He leaves that out conveniently, and he says, "Oh, we followed what the government wanted us to follow." He needs to be nailed on that, and he skates by. And he says he said it when he was on with John Casamitinas. He repeated it again, and it's not true. This is verifiable. The other question that you asked him was. You, you said um, you had other places to put him. He said, no, we had nowhere else to put them. He did have places to put them. I mean, the USS Comfort, they, they were asking me. He said that they didn't have, um, they didn't, they, they, they didn't have uh, respirators. They were in storage because he never did anything about what he was supposed to do in an emergency situation after 9-11. He asked for something like 40,000 respirators, but they were in storage. He had them the whole time. And one last point that is so important that drives families crazy. You asked him about the Comptroller's report about 
undercounting the number of deaths. And he says, his answer, and I believe me, I took notes through your whole interview. He said, oh, that's political talk. Well, you know what he leaves out? He leaves out his secretary's um, meeting with the legislators. Right, the comments. He says that, and she says that they, that that administration held back the numbers because there was a pending DOJ investigation. And when he was pressed on that, not by you, but when he was pressed on that in terms of why did you change how you calculated what the numbers were, his response was this, and I quote, who cares where they died? Because at one point, if they died, like my mother, who was leaving the nursing home and in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, that death was not counted as a nursing home death. Who cares where they died? They died. These are the things that make family members irate. In addition to the lost, and he's given, and that administration is given a platform to repeat it again and again and again, and it's not true. And you know what? The next time he's on or during Melissa DeRose's show or whatever, people need to be able to speak to them directly. They have to man up and take the questions directly from the callers, not have the questions spoon-fed to them. Right. Although I hope you understand in this particular case, there was nothing given to him. Uh, there was nothing in advance, uh, nothing, uh, no questions spoon-fed to him. Uh, those were the ground rules, and that was what I accepted to. I would do nothing less, just so you know, Arlene. You know, I mean, just so you, I, you're aware, I, there was nothing, uh, you know, anything that he could have prepared for. I mean, I'm sure he is suspected I'd ask about nursing homes and, and women right. and, and other things, which would be obvious. Um, and believe right. me, you know, Arlene, as you probably heard, I was on for an hour. I could have talked to him for five hours. I had so many questions. Um, and obviously so much on the nursing homes, especially. And, and, and Rita, uh, I appreciate that. And I can tell by the questions that that was true. And I, and that criticism wasn't really meant for you. It was meant for, for him because he's never, put himself in any forum where anyone who's who's had who's suffered the loss can ask a question and that's the part that the families are like and when you said to him you know why did you resign if you didn't do anything right i loved his answer oh i didn't want to put my family through it do you know do you know at one time he referred and I mean, I hate to bring family into it, but but really, I had the ultimate hurt. Do you know? At one time, he referred, but quickly changed it to that March 25 mandate as Matilda's law. But as soon as all the after his mother, like, what kind of an honor would that be? But that was quickly rescinded, and the March 25th order was quickly scrubbed off the governor's website. I mean, it's obviously around. People have it. But when he talks about he didn't want to put his family through it, what does he think he put the over 16,000 family members who lost somebody through? I mean, this guy has an ego the size of I don't know what. Well, and, and Arlene, I hope you heard. I, I kept saying to him, isn't there something you regret? I mean, I gave him yeah, every yeah. opportunity um, and at one point he said, you know, uh, I was head of the war or something like that. And I took, 
Yes. You know, I, I, and I was waiting for him to say, and I'm sorry, blank, blank, blank. He never went there. And I, I tried to come at him every which way but loose. I mean, even, I, even I, for I, somebody who seems to, you know, be in complete denial, I still expected there still would be, well, I would have done this differently or I would have done that or I, I didn't even hear any of that. And, and you heard I must have asked the question 30 different directions, Arlene. And these were my own personal thoughts to try to redeem himself a half of an ounce, but his ego won't allow it. Actually, I was even insulted for you, and I, I mean, I don't know how you felt about this, but when you asked him what his future plans were, to be so crude as to make a comment that he wants to follow what you do, right, and ask, you, you know, he, he made sense. I, he, I forget exactly the way that he, he, he asked it when you said, is, does, he, does he have any political aspirations, God forbid, or whatever. He, he mentioned something about he wants to do what you do and ask people – uh, he questions or field questions or whatever. I mean, making almost light of, you know, someone who would ask meaningful questions. Yeah, he used the phrase, the by the way, uh, nasty. And, and in fact, when we get there back, Arlene, uh, when we get back, I'll play that clip because it was certainly an interesting moment uh, when he said that uh, to me. And then he was like, oops, OK, I'll, I'll uh, I'm not kidding. Oh, no, I am kidding. You know, it was kind of uh, one of those moments. But Arlene, um I hope that, you know, for the family members and everybody out there at least trying to get some answers, I still think there were still many unanswered, um, but uh, I will uh, hopefully we'll have another opportunity also to be able to ask him some more. But I agree with you. I think that he should take questions from family members, and I think that he should speak to everybody um, and and give you that opportunity to answer all the different questions, all the details. I 1,000% agree, and I hope – that you have that moment. Um, I think you deserve it. And I think all the family members, it's the least um, that you can get. And my thoughts and prayers are with all of you tonight. And I've thought about you so much today as I was speaking with him. Um, Arlene, thank you very much. And I'm so, so sorry for the loss of your mom, too. I appreciate that. Thank you for your time, Rita. Oh, thank you very much, Arlene. And when we come back, I'll play that clip that Arlene was talking about. Uh, An interesting comment uh, on what his future holds and what he said to me. After the break. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the interview with Andrew Cuomo, the former New York governor. Arlene mentioned at the end of the interview, listen to this exchange of what he said to me when I asked him what is next for him uh, politically or what is he thinking about? What's ahead for your political future, too? Uh, do you think you'll run for office again and what? I think I'm going to I'm going to model you and have a, a show like the Rita Cosby show and ask people nasty questions all day and not let them answer. They are fair questions, Governor. Governor, they're fair questions. And Governor, also, we we hear from everybody. Believe me, we had a lot of people who were not happy that we were having you on, but, and there were a lot of people uh, that were happy. So I want you to know that these are important questions that people of New York want to hear the answers yeah. to, and they're justified, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And look, I, I'm, I'm teasing you. I don't get sensitive. And look, I know, 
I know uh, your audience tends to be uh, more conservative. I get that. And that's why I wanted to come on, Rita, because I think we have to talk and understand the facts and stop pointing fingers and yelling and emotion and slowing down. So does that mean, but does that mean that you will run for something again? I mean, what, where do you see, seriously, will you run for office? There's been many people saying you will. How did what I just said suggest that I'm going to run for office? I'm doing a lot of things that I feel very good uh, about right now. I am working uh, on ending the madness of assault weapons in this country, uh, which is just, you want to talk about madness uh, and the conservative madness, why you need an assault weapon that has 20 bullets in the midst of all these mass murders. I'm working on supporting the state of Israel. Anti-Semitism is on the increase. Uh, I'm doing a podcast where I have a lot of fun. So I'm keeping myself busy. And uh, we'll see. I have all options open. I think I'm too old for the Yankees or the Mets. Uh, But other than that, I think I have all options open, and I take it one day at a time. What did you think of that, guys? Uh, let's go to Norm. Line two. Norm, your thoughts about all this. Hello, Rita, or should I say Mike Tyson? Um, you, uh, bi- yeah, Rita, you, you knocked him around for an hour. Uh, it was wonderful. Um, I thought you were fair. Uh, it was old throwback, 1980s and before journalism, and uh, I loved it. Yeah, although, you know, he was never, I've never been a fan of, of Mr. Cuomo. Okay, uh, the last statement he made, which, uh, which was obviously he was, uh, you know, reeling, uh, was when he was reaching, he goes like, oh, I, he was pandering. The whole thing about pandering. Hey, to, hey Norm, you know, do me a favor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you stay on. I'm just going to go to a break. Stay with us, okay, Norm, if you don't mind. Uh, we will continue, uh, and I'm glad I got acquainted to Mike Tyson. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. are talking about the exclusive interview we did with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, making a lot of buzz tonight about it, and lots of comments from him uh, where we talked about sexual harassment, the 11 women making the allegations against him. He says it was all political persecution, and indeed it was spearheaded by people who were not uh, friends, uh, were certainly political enemies of Governor Cuomo. I'm talking about the people leading the investigation. Um, but I kept going back to him asking about 11 women. That's a lot of women. If you're saying that 11 women aren't telling the truth, uh, that's not one or two. That's a lot of women. So we went back and forth on that. We also talked about the nursing homes. Of course, I focused a lot on that and I want to hear your thoughts on how you think he handled those answers. We also talked about bail reform. Take a listen. Uh, this is cut number nine. And this is where I was asking him 
about the different policies, especially on bail reform, because he spearheaded it. So take a listen. But but the police are frustrated. Police are frustrated. You even brought up Jordan Neely with the 40 arrests. Uh, Bail reform allows a lot of these repeat offenders. And and you just said you said you just pushed for bail reform. It's not it's not bail reform. Police are frustrated. It goes back to George Floyd and the community's relationship with the police post-George Floyd. And we have to be honest, Rita, if we're going to address these problems. And you can't dance around them. What happened is there's been a breach in the relationship between the community and the police. And there's little trust. And the police feel it also. And the police are very careful about what they do. Everybody has a video camera and you have an explosive environment uh, and police are afraid of getting into trouble on some video. So and you have community distrust. You have people running around saying defund the police. No, we need we need the opposite. We need a more sophisticated, intelligent approach to policing. Not every 911 call needs a gun. We have to restore the trust between the community and the police. But we need police. And you need a criminal justice system. Defund the police is madness, especially at this time. You then put it together with homelessness, where you have mentally ill people who are on the street who are a clear danger to themselves or others. You go to a place like San Francisco or Los Angeles or Chicago, uh, you have acts of random violence. This and nobody, no one. But we also have repeat offenders, Governor. We have repeat offenders. And much of it is that revolving door of bail reform where you've eliminated money bail, eliminated pretrial detention. They feel emboldened. Um, And in fact, one of your final acts as governor was to pardon a convicted cop killer. Doesn't that sound the wrong message? Well, let's, let's do one thing at a time. My proposal for bail reform included what they call judicial discretion, which was uh, the talk, topic of discussion. Uh, and then since I left, they've been debating it uh, for two years. They've made changes for two years. I am telling you today that this is not bail reform is not what is driving the crime, and it's not going to make a difference. You need police. You need police who are not afraid to do their job. You need police who are trained. uh, And you need to help. Mr. Neely, this is a homeless, mentally ill person. How did you let him come in and out of the system 40 times? Those are the questions we have to answer. Otherwise, it's going to continue to get worse, and more and more people are going to leave, Rita. What did you make of that answer? So bail reform has nothing to do with emboldening criminals in his mind. He's separating that and saying that police need to be trained better. Um, and again, I was curious about the pardon uh, at the end for the convicted cop killer. Um, that was an interesting point because, you know, you, you no, know, we can't defund police. We got to train them better. Um, and yet bail reform doesn't embolden criminals. Uh, there was a lot of different things coming at us there. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm 
uh, in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Norm. Sorry I had to cut you off there, but go ahead. That's okay. That's okay, champ. Um, yeah, basically, um, look, I, I, you knocked him around for an hour. Uh, it was wonderful to hear you knock him around for an hour. I don't think he's going to give you that opportunity again, okay? Um, I... I, I, it was just interesting. You could literally hear you could hear him reeling towards the end. I mean, he had enough. He was he was you know. I mean, he's a professional politician, but you could tell you did a number on him. And towards the end, he started to pander, and else he goes like, "Well, what am I doing? Well, I support the state of Israel. Well, you know, of course, he knows this broadcast is going out of New York City with its huge Jewish population. I found as a Jew, I personally I found that offensive and very pandering. And then of course the assault weapons thing, and it's clear he doesn't know. He doesn't know a damn thing about guns, but, of course, he brought that up because in New York, uh, they don't know what an assault weapon is here. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, my opinion on your in the interview is I don't think he was expecting to be interviewed as hard-hitting as you did. Um, I think he uh, they were listening to the way you treat the callers to your nightly show, which you're very respectful, but you don't, you know, you don't hit us with an axe. And I, I, I it was wonderful. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I always respect you, Rita, as a journalist, and this made, you know, uh, it went through the moon, went to the moon. Oh, Norm, thank you very much. And And listen, I think they're absolutely fair questions to ask. There's some serious things that have happened. Uh, with all the lives lost, especially in nursing homes, um, there were 11 also women who were making accusations against him. These were all very serious things, and I think um, they needed to be addressed. Um, and I think it was absolutely important to ask those questions. I could have, again, I could have spent, Norm, a couple more hours. I could have spent uh, three hours just talking with him about nursing homes. There were so many questions that I still had uh, to ask him about um, that I think loved ones who, you know, people who lost somebody uh, in a nursing home that they would like to know and, and and others who obviously care deeply for those people, too. So I think there's so many questions tonight. Norm, thank you very, very much. And he was also talking, by the way, about immigration. I got up the issue about what goes on in New York City now, because we are definitely busting at the seams on immigration. There's no question. I mean, you look at all the illegal migrants that have come to New York City. And then I brought up that, of course, he was supportive of sanctuary state and sanctuary city and the policies of basically supporting these illegal immigrants coming here. And here's what he had to say. This was an interesting exchange, too. Take a listen. Um, The migrant crisis um, is also unsustainable right now. I mean, stunning numbers that it's costing New York City alone $8 million a day. Um, What are your thoughts about that? And also... Um, again, uh, August 2018, during your reelection campaign, you declared New York State is the state that said we will not cooperate with ICE. How does that send a message of law enforcement? You, you put apples and oranges together. ICE, uh, ICE was abusive in instances. They went onto private property. They didn't identify themselves in the middle of the night, dressed in all black with assault rifles. Uh, on private property, and they were scaring the heck out of property owners, and we're lucky they didn't kill anyone. But they are law enforcement. That's, you understand that. They're law enforcement. You're saying you support yeah. law enforcement, and then you talked about pardoning, and then I, you're you talking about no, calling ICE no, thugs. Rita, you called Rita, them, quote, a bunch of thugs. They, there were instances where they acted like a bunch of thugs, yes. Uh, a select number of incidents, especially in upstate New York. 
And that's what I was referring to uh, with ICE. The migrant problem is a debacle. It was a federal responsibility. uh, And uh, that is now being placed at the doorstep of cities, which which is the last place that has any responsibility. Immigration is federal, it's state, and then it's city. But isn't it a blaring symbol when you basically said, you know, New York State's a state that will not cooperate, that's sending a signal, of course, about sanctuary cities. Isn't that part of the mistake that's bringing people to New York? Because these migrants, and I don't blame people for coming to America, it's the greatest country in the world. But they're coming because they see they get sanctuary. They get relief at sanctuary cities. You no, seem to be not, having it both ways. No, no, Rita. They're not coming to New York. They're being sent to New York. They're coming to Texas and the border. They're then being sent to cities. Many of them want New to come York. to New York, though, too, because they see well, it. They a, see the headlines. That's a good thing. No, no, no. They want to come to New York, not because they read about uh, ice in upstate New York. Uh, that's not why they come from El Salvador. They come from El Salvador to New York because it's New York and it's an international icon and everybody wants to be in New York. But Mayor Adams in New York City has no business being charged with the responsibility of housing migrants. This is a long-term situation. This is not going to be weeks. It's not going to be months. It's going to be years. Uh, we're not going to be able to keep them in hotels and motels. We need the federal government to do its job and come in here and manage the situation, which they created. So what do you make of that? He conceded, yes, he calls ICE thugs, or he did, but he said they went in with guns drawn. Well, that's what they do, because guess what? ICE is often getting folks who have crossed the line. Uh, if they have been illegally in the country, but also those with a criminal history. You want them, if indeed uh, they're going after somebody who may have some sort of a criminal past, to go in with guns drawn. Guess what? Um, but it was an interesting discussion. What did you make of that, guys? 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Robert in Philly, line two. Robert, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. It's good to talk to you again. I am actually floored. I'm floored. See, I thought this guy was callous before, okay, when I just heard him say, hey, people die, stuff like that. But he is clueless and callous. He sits there and says um, letting people out again has nothing to do with the crime. Are you clueless? I mean, that is the whole crux of the crime problem in New York. I mean, the cops' training hadn't changed since Giuliani's days. Did we have these problems back then? No. And but the but the but the important thing is, I'm glad he got his Emmy for his um for his press conferences about the COVID. And it's not just him, Rita. Democrats do not care. Four other states with Democratic governors did the same thing. Here in Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf did it. His um, Secretary of Health was Rachel Levine. Does that sound familiar? Because after killing all these people, Rachel Levine, I mean, first of all, Rachel Levine took his mother out of a nursing home the day before the nursing home rules went into effect. That's right. Okay? And also, Rachel got hammered for that. I remember that. And by the way, also New Jersey, too, had similar and, policies, too, remember. 
but he got promoted to but but he got promoted to the Surgeon General. Joe Biden said, "Great job, Rachel. Come on and join my team, so we can do it to the whole country." Democrats don't care about them dead people. They don't care, and it's disgusting that they would do that just to drive a political point. It makes me sick. And this guy comes on here and acts like, oh, my God, it's insufferable. I cannot believe. Look, I'm not going to tell you who to put on the air. I just wouldn't listen if he was. But that guy is disgusting. And the Democrats are disgusting. And all the people that lost loved ones because of these maniacs got to remember this come election time. And that's all I'm going to say. You have a great night, Rita. And thanks for that great interview. Thank you very much for your thoughts, Robert. Always good to hear from you. And everybody, what are your thoughts? 1-800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls, everybody, after the break, talking about our exclusive and, in many ways, surprising interview with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. If you heard the conversation with me and Governor Cuomo, what are your thoughts, everybody? What did you think of the interview and what surprised you? And did you think he was doing bobbing and weaving? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line five. BJ, your thoughts. Rita Cosby for governor. That's what I think. You did an excellent textbook job. Uh, that interview should be studied by journalism graduate school students uh, forever. And I mean that. I'm not even saying that. I thought you'd do a good job. You did an excellent job. And I had mixed feelings because I, I, you know, I didn't want to hear his voice ever again. But I, light is the best disinfectant. So um, And BJ, thank you. By the way, thank you for your nice words. I wanted to do, you know, justice for everybody and most importantly, justice for New York and 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 give him a chance to explain, too. I want to be fair to everybody. You did an excellent job. And thank you for using asking him about the book like you promised you would. He took five point one million dollars for that book while other people were worrying about where they were going to bury their their loved ones because they couldn't even uh, bury them in a funeral home because they had a moratorium on them. It was disgusting. This guy is a malignant narcissist. Even the way he spoke to you was so poor. He was trying to be condescending and fluff off. How dare you ask about that book? That was his attitude towards all of the questions. This guy has no self-reflection whatsoever. He was rude. He was obnoxious. And all the while, he I remember those horrible interviews that he would do with his brother and Fauci while everyone was worried about whether or not they could go out to a Dollar Tree to get uh, uh, toilet paper. Uh, I had friends that passed away from from covid 
my garage mechanic, who's a very excellent person who had uh, three children. Uh, I, there was a wonderful pastor in our neighborhood that passed away. And this guy had no answers. And he, he lied, even the answers that he gave you. He had 17,000 respirators over in New Jersey. He was screaming, I need ventilators. He lied about the ships. The ships came in. Trump gave him everything that he possibly could have given him. And this guy dithered and wasted it away. And, you know, I, I just can't say enough uh, uh, how uh, I'm glad we heard from him because, uh, you know, between him and his brother, uh, all of it, the, the, the sexual stuff, his brother was running for uh, running interference for him. That's why his brother got fired for, because he got caught running interference with all those uh, uh, all, all the, the women. That they would, Right. All the women. Yep. And I mean, it just never ended with this guy. It was like whack-a-mole. You whacked one thing down, something else popped up. Eleven women just don't come out and say that they, the, the, you know, they just don't do that. You know, I mean, you, you can't just say that. And he just fluffed every one of it off. Oh, it was it was legal. It was maybe inappropriate, but it was legal. You know, the same with the book money. Oh, well, you know, I mean, how dare you ask about that? You know, no, really. I mean, the, the arrogance of this man, no humility whatsoever. And, you know, I know the people that passed away and their loved, uh, you know, they're looking down on you and they're smiling because you were their voice for them today. BJ, thank you very, very much. I thought about them so much when I was talking with them, and I was glad to be able to repeatedly ask those questions. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes, where we honor our great military and their families, a really powerful story coming from Thomaston, Maine, where Paul Chapman, who fought in Europe during World War II and then built boats for a living, and Robert Watts, a Korean War-era veteran who wore many hats after his military service, including driving a school bus for over 45 years, Well, Chapman, now 103, and Watts, 93 years old, are traveling soon to Washington, D.C. as part of the Honor Flight Maine program. The two men will be flown in and then brought to the nation's capital where they'll tour the World War II memorials and a lot more. Chapman said he last visited Washington, D.C. when he was a teenager in the 1930s and said he is ready to return to D.C. and acknowledge that visiting the war memorials will likely bring back memories of his service. Chapman joined the Army and served in England, Belgium, and Germany for three years during World War II, seeing combat as troops made progress across Europe. He said that he was near Adolf Hitler's summer home when Germany surrendered in May 1945. The home had been destroyed by bombings before the U.S. troops arrived. What a powerful, powerful story, and how beautiful to see that he and the other veteran are soon going to be in Washington, D.C., and able to see their comrades' names on those memorials. What a powerful experience. I love Honor Flights. They do so much, and bravo to this group here in Maine, bringing these veterans and so many others to Washington, D.C., Well, we are talking about the interview that I did with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Lots of people talking about it. And I said to him a number of times, as many of you who heard the interview, I said over and over again, 
Is there anything you regret? Do you have any apologies? What is the message you basically want to send, especially to the families who lost loved ones in nursing homes? Um, you know, there is no nothing that can replace such a horrific loss. And listen to this exchange when I asked him that. Take a listen to what he'd want to say to families who lost loved ones. But in, let me again ask you, Governor, because so many people we've had again, we've had people writing us and calling us since we said we're going to do the interview. Um, many who are supportive of you, many who are not um, very emotional, obviously, on all sides of the aisle. Is there something now you want to say to those families? Because people are still bewildered uh, that there were people in the nursing homes. Um, is there some any regret, something you would have done differently? There's got to be something. Yeah. Well, look, I would have. First of all, there's a there's many things that should have been done differently. COVID was in New York much earlier than anyone ever knew it. COVID was in nursing homes much earlier than anyone ever knew it. We're all looking at California. They had COVID. It came from China. Wrong, wrong. It went from China to Europe. The flights from Europe landed in New York, JFK, Newark, LaGuardia, and those flights brought COVID into New York. We had a spike in what the doctors thought were pneumonia deaths, January, February. It wasn't pneumonia. It was COVID. And we literally didn't even have tests. We didn't have masks. We didn't have respirators. And, and Governor, totally, listen, everybody I, everybody was overwhelmed. There's no question about that. Again, my question is, isn't there something you regret and you would have done differently? Yes, and let me make one other fact. You know, when they, when they politicized this and they pointed New York and they investigated uh, the, the Democratic states, New York is not even in the top ten. But we're talking about New York now because you were the governor of New York. So let's, if we could stay focused. Yeah, let's stay focused. That's my point. New York, you talk about New York like we had uh, something abnormal happened in New York that didn't happen in every other state. Nothing happened here that didn't happen in every other state. So, again, let's go back. Let me go back, Governor, to your state because you were governor of New York. Um, is there something you regret? Is there something in the handling? Because even, by the way, an audit that came out later by the New York State Comptroller uh, showed that your New York State Health Department intentionally concealed the deaths of more than 4,100 people in nursing homes. Not, That's what the Comptroller said in his report. Yeah, it did not say say that. What it said was this. The numbers we reported every day was this many people died in the hospital. This many people died in a nursing home. Two numbers every day. They then asked for a new number. How many people died in a hospital who had come from a nursing home? Which is a valid question, but it requires a whole forensic audit to figure that out now, because you have to trace where everybody came from. Uh, And they said, oh, but... Uh, you didn't count, you counted as a hospital death a person who went from a nursing home and died in a hospital. Uh, 
And that's what the numbers were what we always said they were. But, Rita, I just want to make this, this point because it was terrible across the board. But Massachusetts, more people died in nursing homes per capita. Arizona, New York State wasn't even in the top 10 of deaths in nursing homes. But, what, so but, but if it was but, so terribly handled, we had it first, we had it worst, and at the end of the day, our death rate per capita wasn't even in the top 10. And I kept saying to him, you are the governor, you were the former governor of New York, can we focus on New York and what happened in New York. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, he didn't seem to have any regrets. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Steve, uh, line two. Steve, your thoughts about the interview? The interview, the questions were very, very good. He deflected everything. He is the quintessential classic politician and the condescension in his voice when he would say, Rita, this or that, or no, it didn't. He doesn't care about anybody, Rita. He is a narcissist. He's, how do you say in Polish? He's gówna. He's gówna. He's garbage. And anyone who votes for him, you know, look at it this way, Rita. Rita, he's the second coming of Christ. He admitted nothing wrong, and he did everything right, and yet he had to leave office in disgrace. What a piece of – I would call him garbage, but that would insult garbage. Unbelievable. I, and, and you did a great interview. You, you, you know what? He, you caught him off guard. He thought he was going to get softball thrown at him and fluff, and he just kept deflecting and deflecting and deflecting. And he kept saying – like you kept saying specifically about New York State, and he kept saying, well, this state and that state – no, no, no. We're not talking about any other state. We're talking about New York. He just kept deflecting you. He is he, he's horrible. I, I can't even call him a human being. I think he's less than human. Wow. What, wow. What a, uh, that is, uh, quite a testament, Steve. I, I will say I was surprised. I was, I was hoping at some point. And also when I said, is there a message to the families? You know, um, so he and, he, he, nothing, nothing. Callous. Callous. Yeah. It was interesting he, that he, he that he wouldn't go there. And even on the women, he said, well, some of them, it didn't fit the criteria. Or, or that's, you know, minor or that's the, you know, it, it, it was, there was a lot of dancing and I kept saying to him, 11 women, you know, if, if you believe that some of the things are political persecution, which, you know, look, some of these things with some of his other aides may have been, there were people who were going after him that clearly didn't like him, but it's still very inconceivable to think that 11 women would just all of them suddenly make it up. I mean, just, I think a lot of people would have, a hard time believing that, and that's where I was coming from with just common sense, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, and same thing with the nursing homes. It's common sense that elderly people uh, shouldn't go back to nursing homes, especially if they have coronavirus. I gave the line at one point, Steve. I said, "I'm not a doctor, but I can tell you that's the last place I would have put elderly people, especially those with coronavirus." Um, so, you know, it, it was. A, you're right. Dancing is a good way. I would say somewhere between a tango. And a rumba, you know? <laughs> I, horrible, horrible. I, I, I wish I was able to put my fist to the speaker and punch him in his nose. Uh, well, you don't want to do that, but I'm glad that at least we we got to hear, I, I believe, in hearing all sides, and I'm glad we gave him the opportunity to do that. Uh, Steve, thank you. Let's go to Tony. 
Uh, Tony, your thoughts about it? You know, it's funny, Rita, because we talk about Wokeopoly. He was Mr. Woke. He made excuses for everything he did, just as our president does. So there you go. It's a match. But what you did was you gave him enough rope to hang himself. And I would say that wherever you gave him a chance to explain and he didn't, he showed us who he was. And it's unfortunate because he really has no answers. His his whole reasoning is that he was just a victim and everyone was after him. And really, we're not buying it. And he said to you, you know, I know your conservative listener, listeners know more. You really had him, though, in the beginning because you took a lot of time with him on those women. And he showed us who he was then because he said, you know, this is kind of the way I am. And if I get into people's space, well, the courts seem to think that's okay. Well, I don't really know about that, but you're a creepy man. And so when that segment ended, we got the impression that he was creepy. When he lied about the nursing home, we knew he lied because we all knew the truth. But yet you were a lady and you didn't call him a liar. You gave him common sense. I think you get 100 plus, Rita. And I don't know if he'll come back and do it again. But I'm sure the next time people are going to say, well, where's your proof? You didn't ever, you never said to him, where's your proof? You gave him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, although, no although, ever... you know, although, you know, it was interesting, Tony, um, that there were a number of times where he brought up something and I'm like, well, that's not correct because you said this or you did this. Um, and what I, I think it would be great at some point if you would take uh, questions from people like you and others too. We'll see if that moment comes. You cracked the egg, Rita. Good job. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Mark, uh, line two. Mark, your thoughts about the interview? Yes, Rita. Uh, very classic interview. You were completely professional and gave him uh, you gave him a wiggle room, but um, he's a shady guy. I mean, this guy is a lifetime politician, and he's he knows how to navigate the waters and uh, – you know, he's going to continue to do this, and I don't know how uh, how he's going to um, uh, how how he's going to be able to uh, really go on beyond this. I mean, I mean, you 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 answered the questions, you asked him the questions, and he he wiggled out of it. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, some of the dancing and some of the comments, and 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 obviously let people judge for themselves. That that's what. Uh, you know, it's all about let him speak, um, and all of you can decide. Uh, thank you very much, Mark. Let's go to Jacqueline, line five. Jacqueline, your thoughts about the interview. Hi, Rita. You know, first, I have to commend you for the stupendous, outstanding, and masterful interview that you conducted and for being fierce and pressing him repeatedly when he did his best to avoid answering your questions. However, I knew he would play the pivot and shift game because that is what a diabolical, despicable, and as we say in Italian, disgraziad, which means disgraceful, demon rat does when backed into a corner with no escape. He is contrary. I counted, you asked him at least 15 questions some of which you restated in in a number of different ways. He never answered any one of those questions. 
He was calm, cool, and collected. He was extremely passive-aggressive. And there's not a doubt in my mind that he or his flunkies listened to your entire show last night so that they could get an idea of the questions and topics that you would ask him about. And he prepared his pat answers. Everything he said was something that something uh, scripted, like in a political speech. Yeah, and- it was interesting because you're right. He sort of had his answers. Um, but you know what's interesting, Jacqueline, and, and all of you know me. I speak from the heart. And that's why I said to him, um, as the last caller brought up, 11 women. I mean, he kind of yeah. had his little candy, his answer of like, well, that's it didn't right. fit the criteria or it's, or it's political persecution. Right. And, and again, you know, I wasn't there. You weren't there. We don't know, but, but, but just common sense. When you have 11 women, I just spoke from the heart and said, well, wait a minute, you know, as a female or anybody, a female, male, anybody listening out there is going to say, wait a minute, 11, you want us to believe that 11 women were politically uh, sort of fabricated out of whole cloth or created by people who had something against you? You know, maybe somebody who's angry at you, they create one or two, but 11 women. And I kept going back to that. And then he kind of tried to, like you just said, parse words like, well, some of them didn't fit the criteria of sexual harassment. And I reminded him that he was the one who brought in the definition of what you could go after somebody for. He was the one. He was the one who actually was there advocating for women publicly and saying they should have greater leverage, greater basically um, latitude on what constitutes sexual harassment. So I, I use the expression, Jacqueline, in a very nice way to him uh, multiple times saying, you seem to be wanting it both ways because either you're out there advocating for women and saying they should have greater latitude on what constitutes, but not for you, right? You know, I mean, that was the irony. Not only that, he spent the first 20 minutes, I timed him, he spent the first 20 minutes saying how he was exonerated by the Supreme Court and claimed that the prosecutor was politically motivated. He would never answer your questions no matter how many times you asked and rephrased the question. All of the 11 women, as you said, um, did he behave in an inappropriate way? No. Not only that, he kept blaming President Trump for everything, for the nursing homes. And I can tell you firsthand, as a family member who lost both, not one, both of her parents due to his negligent decisions and choices, he knew full well those nursing homes were incapable, incapable of accommodating those COVID patients going back into the nursing home. If he stood by, he tried to blame the admiral, saying that they wouldn't take the COVID patients. Well, if he wants to play that game, then why didn't they put the healthy people on the USS Comfort and in Central Park and at the Javits Center and leave all the COVID patients in the nursing home? He twists and distorts everything. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings and one of my favorite expressions is when a demon rat's mouth is moving, they are lying. And that is what he did throughout his entire dissertation. Um, You know, for me, as far as I'm concerned, there's a special place in hell for someone like that. And he had the hubris to gaslight the families like mine and Arlene's saying that to make a comparison with the loss of his father, that they, we wanted to blame someone. The person to blame is him. He is responsible for the criminally negligent homicide of thousands 
are vulnerable, innocent, elderly people. And he's going to have to account to his maker for that one day. Well, and Jacqueline, I asked him over and over again, do you want to say something to them? Do you have regrets to families like yours and others? Uh, and he clearly wouldn't even go there. And, and I gave him many an ample opportunity uh, to try to say something. And you're right. Um, when he brought up the USS Comfort, he said, well, they, the admiral first said, and I corrected him, as you heard, I said, but that changed, and that was Trump who changed it. So lots of questions tonight, 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about the interview. Everybody's buzzing about the exclusive interview I did with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Let's go to Joe. Line six. Joe, your thoughts about the interview. Hey, Rita. Uh, you got me? Yep, go ahead. We got oh, you. good. Yeah, that was, uh, wow, what a phenomenal interview. It was, you, co- it, you, you were so sharp. You covered, I couldn't have, it was above expectations, I have to be honest that I had, and I couldn't ask for anything more from you. And I just want to say, well, there were so many points to cover, but the reason that he's a liar, and my wife calls him a demonic gargoyle, because we battled him when this was going on, and we, thank God we got rid of him. And the reason he resigned is because they were going to impeach him, probably, the New York's legislator, yes. and he wouldn't have been able to hold office again. So he knew he better get out. Because it was too hot. And that was the reason he resigned. Although and, you, you heard I that, asked him, I asked him, why did you resign if you say you didn't do anything? I mean, and I brought up the point, Joe, um, he, I agree with you. I think he knew the writing was on the wall. Um, but I brought it up because his whole nature is I'm a fighter. I'm a this. I never quit. Um, so it doesn't square with someone who says that they are innocent and it doesn't square with his typical behavior. That kind of a person would typically want to fight um, and fight charges and continue fighting. I mean, he's a, he was a strong governor, and he even said, yeah, I was a fighter to the end. So uh, that was why I brought that up. Very interesting. Good. Thank you, Joe, for uh, your very, very nice words. Um, and I appreciate it. And he still has a lot of questions to answer. I tried to get a whole, to a whole bunch of them, guys, the best I could. And I kept coming at him and kept asking the questions because he deserves to answer them. He deserves to be able to have his say. And you deserve to hear what he has to say. And that's what we're all about. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.